you are in the house. Your presence is known. And I pray that you will touch each one of your children in a special way this morning. May they experience you. May my words be your words. Father, today it's your day. The time is now. May you make yourself known to us in a mighty way. In your name I pray. Amen. It's been 12 years last April that my mom passed away. It's hard to believe it's been that long. My mom had dementia, Alzheimer's, and then the last year or so detected cancer. I watched my dad, though, care for her for those six years that they lived in that trailer. I want to be like him. He cared for his wife in such a way that he was bruised on his arms by helping her get to the bathroom because he'd always hit the door jams. He loved his wife. One time when I went to go visit them in Yakima, Dad had a shop outside. And in our conversation, he said, Fred, can you, can you come with me? With tears in his eyes, he said, Fred, your mom sat up in bed the other night. And she looked at me, and she said, who are you? Fred, I didn't know what to do. So I just held him. I just held him. I couldn't fathom what it would be like to look at the love of my life and to have her look at me and say, who are you? Those words cut deep. But there's a story in the Bible that Jesus makes account of a few words that have always cut deep to me. And I will share with them shortly. Well, one more. There we go. Whoop. 
I'm just toying with you. Okay, guys, I need to get the next one up on the screen. There we go. There we go. Whoa. (laughs) Stay. I say that to my dog a lot. Stay. Thank you. You made me laugh. I needed that. A lot of you are familiar with this text. You've heard it many times. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Can you relate? At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up, and they trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, "Uh, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us. And you, instead, go to those who sell the oil and buy some for yourself. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Nope. There we go. I don't know you. Imagine having a relationship with a spouse. The same way my father with his wife would have devastated him with the words of my mom. But in my heart, what would it be like if I heard the words of Jesus tell me, I don't know you. Another section here in Matthew 7 Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Remember that line. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me. You evil doers. I never knew you. I hear those words, I read those words, and I scratch my head and I said, What would it take for me not to be known by God? Let's go back to the text here and look at Matthew. 
7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Here's the line I want you to remember. But only the ones who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. There's the key. The will of my Father who is in heaven. But, ah, oh, they're kind of prideful. They said, yeah, I, I heard that, but listen to what we have to say. Did we not prophesy in your name? If I faint, you're going to catch me, right? In your name, drive out demons? And in your name, perform many miracles. Excuse me. I'm getting dizzy. Lord, look at what we did. Are you seeing a problem with this picture? Lord said those who get to heaven will be there according to his will, his desire, his way. But have you ever had a better idea and did it your way? Even though the actions were righteous, even though the actions were religious, even though the actions seemed to be appropriate. The reason why Jesus said, I don't know you, because they were not done according to God's will. This was something that God did not institute for these people at that time. So I have discovered over the years in my studies the simplicity of what God asked of me. Fred, you want to do my will? Oh, yeah. Surrender your will, Fred. Surrender your desires. Don't have your own agenda. Be on my page. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Unfortunately, I'm a sinner, and I have a tendency to do this more times than not. <laughs> Behavior-based religion seems to be so prevalent. Look at what I do. Look at who I am. Do you see? Ah, you shouldn't be looking at me. The mindset of salvation by works, and we know that is not how you get to heaven, is it? Mm -mm. Bear with me. Knowing God is what Christianity and religion and life eternal is all about. That's it. Knowing God. 1 John 17. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 
it doesn't say anything about doing. It doesn't talk about anything that I have to do except what? No. I have to know God. That is crucial in this relationship. I have to know God. Unfortunately, in my younger years as a Methodist, I believed I knew God. I claimed to be a Christian. But what I chose to do instead of opening up a Bible was ask the pastor, tell me what God is like. Tell me what the Bible says, and I will believe it. And I did. And I did. It wasn't until later that I found that the answer is not in people, it's not found in a church, it's not found in a pastor. The answer is found right here. And each one of us have at least one in our home. The purpose of Scripture is to help you discover for yourself what God is really like. Not having someone tell you what He is like. It is written to show you how you can learn to know Him and whom to know is eternal life. Wait a minute, if I know him, I have eternal life? I like the rings of those words. Personal fellowship with God is God's goal for each one of us. He is longing to become our friend. He says to us in Jeremiah 31, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. These are the words of God speaking to you. I have loved you with an unfailing love. It's a courtship that he's establishing with each one of us. He is waiting for us to respond to his love and enter into fellowship with him. But in order to do this, we must come to know for ourselves what he is really like. I love the author Morris Vinden. Mm. I'll tell you, he's been my friend for the last few years. You can memorize every verse in the Bible, study every day for the week, understand every key text, but it's not what you do, it's who you know. Do you see it? It's not what you do, but who you know. Ooh, jumped quicker than I thought, but leave it there. Forty-two years ago last April, I got baptized into the Richland Adventist Church. I'm like a wooden nickel you can't get rid of. 42 years. I still scratch my head sometimes. I have seen a lot in this church. I have witnessed a lot in this church. I've seen the good as well as the bad. I've had struggles. I've had tears. I've had moments of celebration and moments of where I just want to leave. 
But through it all, God shared with me something that this morning I just want to share with you a couple of segments of those things to hopefully illustrate maybe the problems that I had that maybe you've experienced or experiencing now. Bear with me. You all know the story. I met my lovely wife at CBC. She won my heart the moment I saw her. She shared with me about Adventism. We studied. We argued. We debated. At one point, I thought I was losing the battle because I could not respond to her the way that she was sharing with me from the scriptures. I didn't have any evidence. I went back to my pastor's friends in Sunnyside and Grandview. Come on, help me. My girlfriend at this time is telling me in the scriptures that the Sabbath day is Saturday. Come on, give me some ammo. I got to tell her she's wrong. They couldn't. What difference does it make? Even though I felt like I was losing the battle, I won the war. The more that she shared with me from the scriptures was maybe the first time I ever really opened the Bible in a way that made sense to me. As you can tell, I'm very visual. And one of the greatest things I received, the new pictorial aid of Bible study. <laughs> I thought I was in heaven. Look at this, guys. You name it, it's there. Time prophecies, doctrines, statues, it's in here. And I took this thing and I absorbed it like a sponge. They were truths from the scriptures that were straight from the Bible. And I fell in love with them. But something happened. Something happened. And it wasn't until later on the terminology came to my mind. I couldn't see the forest for the trees. You, you hear what I'm saying? I couldn't see the forest for the tree. These are trees, and there are strong trees of truth that are in the scriptures. But if that is all that I'm focusing on, I can't see the forest, which is Jesus Christ, God, my Heavenly Father, who wants me to have a relationship with Him and Him only. He says, Fred, value the truth, but don't just focus on the trees. My first two years, I found myself almost to the point of arguing with my sisters over the trees. 
I missed the fact that she had a relationship with the forest. And I wasn't seeing that. I argued with my parents over the trees. But they had a relationship with the forest. At one time growing up, I had a relationship with the forest, but I think I may have got distracted because of the trees. Are you, are you seeing it? This is kind of a warning maybe. I don't know, but maybe some of you can relate If I were to sit there at that wedding feast and my mom and my dad and my sisters go in and I go, whoa, Lord, don't you know they're worshiping the wrong tree? And the Lord looks at me and says, Fred, that's your opinion. They know me. They know me. It's not your place to determine what they can and can't do. It was an eye-opener. It was an eye-opener, I tell you. But in that aspect of experiencing that, and I'll tell you, it just didn't happen slowly or, or dissipate slowly because sometimes it can still be there. It ain't dumbing down Christianity if you only look at the forest. Because it's the forest that determines your destiny, not the trees. You go to church on Saturday, will you have salvation? Not guaranteed. State of the dead? Not guaranteed. Sanctuary teaching? Not guaranteed. There is nothing within the trees that will give us eternal life. It's in the forest. And that forest is God's open arms saying, have a relationship with me, Fred. It's that simple. And I'm finding that to be true when I study with these young kids. They see the simplicity of it. They're not bogged down with all the garbage and the stuff that I have in my mind. They see the simplicity of it. Another thing I discovered was the word perspective. Oh, man. But that's your perspective. That's your perspective. That's your perspective. You're right. It is. But that perspective is crucial on how I deal with things in life. The capacity to view things in their true relationships or relative importance trying to maintain my perspective. I do counseling in my office, and the first thing I ask them to do is share with me the perspective that you're coming from. And if it's couples, guess what? They both have different perspectives, which heeds the problem. 
My son, who's a teacher, or was a teacher, a very good teacher, but he would still struggle. He would struggle because from his perspective, he did self-talk. He was his own worst enemy. He would speculate. He'd call me up and say, Dad, I need help. And the first thing I would do is say, Son, tell me, step back and tell me, what is God's perspective on what you're telling me? Because you see, that's what's important. Not your perspective, but God's perspective. If I can just say, Lord, as I start my day today, may I see through your eyes. May I be your hands and feet. May I have your perspective of the people that I come across. Even though they may look dirty and dingy, you love them. May I embrace them. May I act according to God's will from his perspective on how I should behave. It's God's perspective that drives my life. Another one is finding out the difference between knowing and believing. Believing means that you have chosen a truth, but knowing means that you are certain about that truth. The day that I got married, I believed that Becky loved me. 42 years later, I know she loves me. Why? Because of all that she has put up with. All that she has helped me with. All that I have put her through. I know she loves me. When I got baptized 42 years ago, I, I believed that God loved me. 42 years ago, I stand here, and guess what? I know God loves me. Why? Because of all the stuff that I have put him through. He's still there. He hasn't forsaken me. He hasn't abandoned me. In fact, he loves me more than my wife loves me. Don't tell her. Don't tell her. Believing always leaves room for doubt, but knowing leads to confidence. Like I said, I am blessed to be able to study with young children. And I believe there's a young lady here that I've been studying with and still studying with. Is that right? Is she, is Jada here? I'm not going to be putting her on the scope. Okay. You saw Jada get baptized here not that long ago, didn't you? Even though she got baptized, she says, Pastor, I still want to study. It wasn't just something that she had to complete in order to get baptized. She said, can we continue? And one thing that I have discovered with her and with other kids as well, we find a text in the book, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Leviticus, wherever it may be, Isaiah, and she is off and running. Because normally what I would do at the very beginning was say, old or new, old or new. There was apprehension at the beginning. 
There was doubt in her believing. But through her experience, she knows where Leviticus is. She knows where Deuteronomy is. She knows the text that she turns to. In fact, she's starting to really truly know the loving God, the loving Christ that walks with her. Believing is blind trust while knowing is trusting with awareness. Believe is blind trust, but, you know, it's like my son. They came up to me and said, Dad, we want to do this project. I said, okay, do your homework. Do your homework. What would it take in order for us to do this project? Well, you know what? The same thing comes with God. We need to do our homework of God, of His attributes, of His love, especially His love for us, His children. Say, I believe that God loves me. Well, you know what? I, I want to know that God loves me. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. <laughs> he knew me in the womb. I knew I heard something. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Whew. He must love me. He must love me. And the good old faithful one, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. You know, I grew up memorizing John 3.16. It wasn't really until a long, no, it wasn't that long ago that I added 17 to the text. And I really started to feel bad because I had condemned my family in what they thought. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn. I came to save the world through him. I came to bring the forest. I think that we have to realize that we are in a spiritual war, right? And sometimes we lose sight of that. I know I do. It's not always there in front of me 24-7. But I know one person who 24-7 has a spiritual war with me, and that is the enemy. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. He doesn't want me to see the forest. He doesn't want me to interact with the forest. He will do everything he can to keep me from the forest. 
and He will do 24-7 on me. And you, and you, and you. He doesn't let up. He takes this seriously. I don't realize enough, I don't give, well, I'm sorry to say it, I don't give the enemy enough credit for what he does because he is out. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm sorry, folks, but that's what the enemy has in store for you. That's his objective. He has no mercy on you. He doesn't care about you. But I like the second part. But I, Christ, have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Ah. He doesn't want me to have to deal with the problems of the enemy. He doesn't want me to have to deal with the things of this world. He says, Fred, my son, I want you to experience me and life to the fullest now. Not in eternity, now. But the way God works sometimes can be kind of confusing. We enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know Him in the valleys. I see some head shaking. We love the mountaintops, don't we? Ah, kumbaya, praise the Lord, life is good. Love you, babe. But the valleys, the deep, dark valleys, is something that I would prefer not to choose. God doesn't keep me from the valleys. fact is that the Spirit led Jesus up into the desert to be tempted. He said, Fred, I just want you to know I am there with you in the valleys because there's a lesson to be learned here. There's a lesson to be learned. He taught that lesson to me at a young age shortly after we got married. And this is why I love her so much. And then I know that she loves me. Because two years into my marriage, I get hit with multiple sclerosis. You've heard my story. She had to dress me. She had to be there for me. I had to go through therapy. I couldn't write. My eyes went bad. Two cornea transplants four years later. I never drove. She did. That was scary. I would see double. <laughs> motorcycles on top of motorcycles. But she was there for me. Why? Because she loved me. And I know that. She proved it to me. It was in that time of my MS that when I stayed home and got up in the morning and the doctor says, stay out of the heat, Enjoy the day as much as you can, but just take it easy. I would sit on the porch and watch my neighbors in the hubbub of the world race off to work. 
And I go back in and take the Bible and say, okay, Lord, what do you have for me today? Man, was I ever blessed. Was I ever blessed. And from that point on, I met the forest. I started to all of a sudden realize there's more to the truth that I had in front of me. There's a forest who loves me, and he wants to get to know me. And he wants me to know him. And it grew and it grew. I remember my cousin one day said, Fred, when will you be normal again? Well, if being normal has to give up with what I'm happening right now to me, I don't want to be normal. In fact, too often we measure normal to the world. God isn't normal. God's out of the box. And I thank the Lord that I can't find my box. I don't want to be normal. We're coming to the end here, folks. I just want to share one thing here. You've heard me share it before. <coughs> Becky had a sister. Her name was Jan. She was a neat gal. But she had issues and problems and the things of the world that she wrestled with. She loved my boys like no other aunt could. And when she was in her 50s, she got hit with ovarian cancer. We gave her four years to live. She was on quite a journey. We would go to Canada, we'd go over there to Auburn, see them as much as possible with her husband, Rick. She had a year left on the four-year span, the doctor said, and I said, Janie, you know, someday soon it's going to happen. Janie, you're going to heaven? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm not worthy enough. I've done too many bad things for God to forgive me. <laughs> Jan, Jan, I don't know what God you're looking at, but that's not the God that I worship and love, and He loves me, and I know that what you believe to be true is not from the Scriptures, sis. And Becky and I stayed there that Sunday, and we sat down with her. And we said, let's open the Scripture, because that's where we find God, isn't it? And through that, we found the segment I shared with you about God's love for her, unconditional love. God, there is, Janie, there is nothing that you could do that God would love you any less. And she had a hard time wrestling with that. My contact just decided to leave. Okay, it's back. A little commercial there for a minute. 
But at the end of our discussion, I said, Janny, it's simple. It is simple. So I did one of the exercises that I would do with the children. Janny, when we are born, we are sinners. But since Christ died for me while I was yet a sinner, when you were born, there was something on the counter of the hospital that said, Jan. Written on it was, believe in me, signed Jesus Christ. Jan, this is for you. This is for you. Open it up, Jan. She opened it up and she found the ticket. All he says is, believe in me. Jesse, you believe in Jesus? Jennifer, you believe in Jesus? You believe in Jesus, Mary? You believe in Jesus? Fran, you believe in Jesus? <laughs> well, then look at these young ladies. They believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus? Yeah. If I had enough folks, I'd walk to each one of you. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Spread them out later, my friend. Why is this picture of the ticket so crucial? Well, Jenny, it's plain and simple. This is the testimony God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son, the ticket. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I don't have enough tickets, but take the ticket if you say you believe in Jesus Christ. Now that you have the ticket in your hand, you can leave here from this church this morning with confidence and assurance of knowing what? You have eternal life. No questions asked. But friend, that's too simple. But the Lord doesn't make it hard. We make it hard. We make it hard. We feed ourselves with lies. We let the enemy feed us with things that are not true. We feel that we have to do something, that we have to act upon something, that we have to behave a certain way. Hold up your ticket and say, this is where it's at. It's all about my relationship with Christ. 
The kids get it, guys. The kids get it. This morning, I want to add to your entree for your afternoon meal. Well, I will jump to that in a moment. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord, that they will be my people and I will be their God for they will return to me with all their heart. Folks, we come to really know God by one step at a time, one breath at a time, one day at a time, one tear at a time, and one miracle at a time. As Christians, we also have to come, we also come to know God through a relationship with Jesus. This is where it's at. This is where it's at. And from going here and journeying with Christ, he makes sure that I have in my envelope that says, Fred, do you believe? I got my ticket. I got my ticket. So here's the entree I want to add to your meal. What comes into your mind today when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Ooh. It's pretty heavy, Pastor. I like to look at it this way. The most important thing about me is to know God and have a relationship with him.